Welcome to All In With Love Playground Conversations. I'm your host, James Gardner, and each week I sit down and have conscious conversations that evolve around the inner child qualities of truth, freedom, artistry, and intimacy among today's high-frequency small business owners, entrepreneurs, and downright epic human beings. The time is at hand for each of us to go back in time, back to the innocence of our younger selves, when each day was a canvas of creation, each morning held the day's adventure, and that sweet air of possibility was blowing through our hair. Take the journey to the hero within. Today's guest uh, is a friend, is a colleague. Uh, she is a woman uh, that has, uh, God, what a, what a life experience, 30, over 30 years in the fitness industry helping others. Uh, she's an author of two books. Uh, she's written dozens of uh, physical fitness manuals and course content. She uh, And the, under, the uh, common denominator through her journeys, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, this, this idea of mental health. And, and it's been a long uh, kind of slow burn for her to then at midlife and middle-aged, 46 years old, to say, hey, you know what? I'm called to help this and to champion this on a much deeper and uh, more impactful level. And so she went back to get a uh, master's degree in clinical psychology from Simon Fraser University, and now is helping others with her own uh, counseling service, Smiling Hearts Counseling. And what I, what I really love and I'm and, and looking forward to today is for all the work that she's done for other people, she's now taking that back uh, and repurposing that for herself as she faces uh, a cancer diagnosis and a cancer treatment and a journey with that and understanding that and her and uh, the mental health that she is dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So my pleasure to sit down with Donna Hutchinson. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Donna we, uh, Donna and I had, had, uh, we've known each other now for probably, I guess, three years, give or take. And, uh, we, we had the privilege of, of kind of inspiring and, 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 uh, elevating each other in the past. Uh, she has an amazing, uh, shout out to Shelly, amazing life partner, Shelly. <laughs> it was amazing. We're going to talk about Shelly a little bit later. We'll bring it back to their dynamic, but Donna, first and foremost, thank you for, for your willingness to sit down with me today. And I know there's a lot going on in your life. Uh, And uh, I'd like to just open up this conversation with mental health, uh, Mm. with with this this broad now, broad spectrum of a word that in my opinion is the true uh, pandemic of the world uh, in this day and age. So um, let's, let's have a conversation. Yeah, sure. I mean, mental health is, you know, it is my passion because it goes along with physical health. And I think when you pair the two, you know, as a human being having a human experience, how do we keep ourselves, you know, in in good order, body and mind, spirit? Uh, I think it's really important that the two things balance. And as that human experience, it's it's oftentimes life, like you said, you know, throws you curveballs and it can be a challenge. And it's how we you know, how do we negotiate those challenges? What resources do we have? How did we get prepared early in our childhood development to be able to withstand some of those storms that come our way? It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. 
It is a challenge. And, and you know, I want to dive into your, your, your past a little bit, but I, just in terms of mental health now versus when we were kids, I mean, we're the same age, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, has the mental, has mental health grown? I mean, the, the, the concerns that, you know, these obstacles that you just mentioned, are there more today in this day and age than they were when, when we were teenagers, teenagers, for example? I mean, it, it certainly, from my perspective, feels that way. But I have to wonder just about, I mean, were we really talking about mental health in, in, a, in a way that didn't stigmatize it? You know, you had something wrong with you. There was something like really wrong. And let's try and medicate you back into sort of some mm -hmm. health. But we don't talk about it, you know. that. So I didn't grow up understanding anything about mental health. I didn't even understand what a trigger was until I was in my 40s, mm -hmm. even though I've been triggered left, right, and center throughout my <laughs> what the hell is a trigger you know um so we just didn't talk about those things and certainly mm. culturally there's certain cultures too that it's still not a topic that we talk about they don't talk about it so that's yeah. true that's true i think that's a really good point that uh you know the one positive thing i think over the years is that stigma has dissipated somewhat it's become more uh of an open conversation uh you know i think which is interesting. I love to, you know, I love to uh, get your opinion on this as a, as a, as a professional too. It almost seems like now we've swung the opposite way where anytime someone's feeling a little sad or a little this, they just, they, they throw it in the mental health camp. Yes. Well, I'm not surprised because, you know, right? we either talk about it, not at all, or now we over talk about it. And then, you know, so, so where's the balance? So I'm not, I'm not surprised about that. And, you know, I tend to try and normalize emotions with people, especially my clients, because when they say, oh, you know, I'm anxious or, and somehow anxiety gets put into the camp of a bad thing I say, well, do you worry about yourself when you're too joyful or when you're too happy or when you're too exuberant? So why is it when anxiety shows up, it can be too much? And does anxiety have something to teach us? I think it does. All emotions point to something. So when anxiety shows up, what is it trying to tell us? So I'm glad we're having the conversation, but not everything is anxiety. You know, mm. like the word is, is one word. We can have other feelings. Maybe we're just worried or concerned uh, or something doesn't feel right. So I really, I really love that, uh, that perception of that, uh, anxiety can teach us and it's there. So how can we flip the script to step out of the picture frame, if you will, and say, okay, what, what, what am I learning here through this? Um, okay. moving forward. That's, that's a really great distinction. Well, the, why is it showing up? What is the context yeah. of the situation that anxiety has just shown up for you? You know, is it in, in my mind, it's very protective. So if it's there, it's there for a reason. What's it trying to protect you from? Mm. Is there a difference between, is anxiety escalated nervousness? Because uh, I, I look at anxiety and I think of my, my, my time back on the, on the start line and rowing, mm. you know, uh, or getting ready for the big race, you know? And I mean, that to me was anxiety the night before the big championship race. Like, but is it, is, is there a difference? Is there a fine line there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about performance, right? Performance mm -hmm. anxiety. And actually, in terms of arousal, you do want some, you don't want to be like overstimulated, because sure. that could decrease performance. But you don't want to have apathy either and have like, it's no big deal and be under aroused. So there is, especially in sport, an optimal level of arousal, because it's a, it's an activator, it's a motivator, and it's an accelerator. 
So staying in that zone. And you know what? I often find it comes to, we talk about the balance and finding sort of the median, that middle ground. And in most things, there is a, a middle ground. So knowing the extremes is good, but how do we bring ourselves back to baseline and utilize that in a way that enhances, in your case, motor performance, skill, mm. and acuity. But we also have that for our mental performance and skill and acuity. So that's an important piece too. For hyper aroused or hypo aroused, we can't, we're not really thinking, we're just doing, we're reacting. Right. We're either fight or flight or we're shut down. So we, we need to figure out how to be sort of more present in ourselves, more grounded. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So your journey, so Donna, we, you know, you, we share a background in the, in the fitness world for, for many mm -hmm. years. And, uh, you know, this mental health idea, this concept, um, was almost, uh, started, I assume to become a common denominator in a lot of your clientele and, and the, and the people that you were helping and guiding and so forth. And so take us back, uh, take us back to that. And, and like, what are some of the things that you were seeing in, during those times? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, um, trying to help people through behavior change and modification. Cause you know, in the area of fitness, a lot of the concerns that come with clients or at least the age of the clients that I was seeing at the time I was seeing them was all around weight loss. You know, mm -hmm. I want to lose weight. I want to shape up. I want to tone up. My body's changing. It, it really centered around that theme. And even though they might've been doing the things that they say they wanted to do in some cases, like changing their nutrition or exercising more, uh, some people would just say they were going to do it, had a real desire. Everything pointed to a lot of change talk, yet they didn't. And they were they just got stuck. They, they just felt like, I really want to make these changes, yet there's something preventing me from doing it. Or I'm making changes and I'm being sabotaged. And I don't know why I'm self-sabotaging. And I was just kind of like, I don't actually know either. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm lost. I don't, I don't know how to help you. I, you know, and I didn't say that to people, but I certainly felt that. And I think I was hearing it enough to realize that, you know what, I, I want to know more and I want to be able to do the job that I do in a more complete way. And that's mm. what sort of led me back into, into school. And I also wanted to make a shift anyway, out of, you know, full-time fitness training and that into, into this new endeavor. So, mm. and now I get to incorporate both. So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so <laughs> let's talk about that for a moment. You know, at 46, you decided to go back for a master's degree and um, what was that process like? Because there are a lot of people out there in their forties, early fifties that, you know, they, they just throw in the white towel that they're kind of, it's too late to, to start a new career. It's too late to go back to school. It's too late. It's too late. And, you know, all these myriad of excuses. What was the thought press process for you like with that? Well, I'm going to be really honest. My, am I dead? No. So it's not too late. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's only too late when you're dead. <laughs> then, and I don't know what happens after, but I know that, you know, time is going to pass for me anyway. So if that's the case, why not go to school? You know, I mean, I, I, I was very fortunate that I could go part-time and then I switched to full-time. So I, I realized my privilege and, and, you know, that I could do that. Um, but I figured, why not? Time's going to pass anyway. It doesn't matter that when I graduate, I'm going to be 51. What does that matter? Mm. It, it just didn't matter to me because I, I, I just don't see age as a limiting factor. 
It's beautiful. I, 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 it's a beautiful segue. I'm not going to go there yet, but you know, that's, that's some inner child quality right there. That was, that was very well done. Right. There's no, there's no limitations. <laughs> right. So. No, but I will tell you when I walked into my very first class at Simon Fraser in the lecture hall and I was as old as a teacher, I had a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. And you know, what was that legally blonde? Remember when she goes back to law school and she looks around and she has her notebook and she rushes out to get a computer? I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I totally had that moment, right? Everyone was on their iPads and I went out oh, and did wow. that. That's that. Yeah, that could be a moment. That's yeah, that that it's a movie moment right there, Donna, for sure. That's a moment. And I'll also say that, you know, instead of looking at it like, oh, my gosh, everyone's so much younger. And I, and they were a lot quicker on the ball. You know, uh, I just said, you know what? I'm the same age as a teacher. I'm going to stand out. So I'm going to sit in front and the teacher will notice me because of that. And because mm. the teacher will notice me. If I need any help, I'm going to be able to ask for it because I'm not because I have wisdom now to know that teachers are there to teach. And if I struggle, I have the the knowledge to go and ask. And I wanted the teacher to know who I was. I love that. So, I know. love that. Proactive, just taking leadership, self-leadership right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they like you, sometimes they grade you a little better. So there was some of that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we... <laughs> We got to pull the likability card once in a while, you know. It, 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 hey, you know, life is a game. Life is a game. So, well, you know, if you're going to study psychology, there are pluses to knowing certain things about <laughs> behavior to, to, you know, advance yourself a little bit. So, I hope that doesn't sound self serving, but whatever, right? Like, <laughs> oh dear. Um, so, and, and now, you know, you're working uh, as a clinical counselor as, you know, uh, helping others. And, and, and are you, here's a question for you. I'm going to ask this just out of curiosity, mental health. Is there, do you feel that there's a, a root cause, a common root cause for mental health? I know it's very ind individualized. I get that. Everyone has their own triggers, traumas, but is there, is there something that is a root cause that's fundamental across a lot of people? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, my area of expertise is dealing with trauma. So uh, big T trauma, which could be like major single life events or small T, which is more complex because it's accumulative throughout your lifespan, which talks to the inner child and, and childhood development. So early on, you know, if we don't, and I don't vilify parents for what they do or don't do, that's not my role. But my role is to understand how this person was raised and if they got the care and affection that they needed and had their needs met mm -hmm. or not, you know, or if they were bullied in school and how that, you know, was so traumatic to them that, you know, it, it really impacted them throughout their life. And oftentimes you can you can go back in someone's lifespan and see those major events and how they were they developed protective mechanisms to help them cope. And all that gets stuck in the body. So, for example, you know, when we're a baby and we cry, we're supposed to be picked up and, and soothed and our needs met and know that there, there's that um, that our needs are being met. And if we're left to cry and we're unstable and nobody comes and we're left alone, we don't have language or development to understand why that is. But we certainly have the nervous system that holds those memories. Mm. So then, you know, throughout life, if things continue to be reinforced, then the nervous system gets reinforced in that way. 
Uh, I liken it to a forest. You know, if the path down the road continues to be worn, then that will be the path of least resistance that you will take mentally and physically. Forging a new path in a forest that's overgrown is difficult. And that's the switch that people, you know, will make through different psychological interventions to help them unlearn something to learn something new, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there can be a common theme for sure. And then how it plays out is very individual. Yeah. Interesting. So <clears throat> obviously you, you mentioned inner child and, and um, you know, I know that from my experience, there, there is a lot of trauma associated with that and and that's a big part of the inner child work and and in terms of the work that I do now with you know coinciding with my book journey and everything it's it's coming at it from a from a different lens in terms of just maybe understanding that but also just really championing the you know the childlike qualities that I feel like you know can serve us as adults and and coming in in that way and which we're going to get into um it's it's fascinating to me that Everyone has everyone has an inner child moment. Everyone, everyone has a has a moment I think in their life, or a, or as you said, a series of moments. You know that um, maybe build layer upon layer of trauma, if you will, or mm -hmm. scar tissue that then manifests itself in adult life. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you said something very important where it's not about vilifying the parents, um, but but again. Is there, what is it? So is it, is it, is it the fact that, you know, at a certain age, kids start to get programmed mm -hmm. and to like, we lose sight of that innocence or we lose sight of, of that. And then the child starts to get programmed from different, all these different avenues of, 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 inf of information and, and manipulation and, and do this, do that, do that. Like, what is it? Why, why, why does it always go back to the child though? Yeah, that's, again, a really good question. I mean, really, it goes back there because, you know, we develop. So for example, let's say everything in your home life is just tickety-boo. You're taken out for ice cream, you have all your needs met, your parents love you, cuddle you, you know, your siblings aren't, you know, assholes to you and treat you okay, right? right. And then you go to school. And all of a sudden, you're, you're in school, maybe it's your kindergarten class, and, you know, people don't like you, they make fun of you, or they laugh at you. And you don't understand what that is. You don't understand why, why you're being treated this way. You don't even know how to express it, except you just feel really bad. Mm. And let's say that continues to happen and it starts to get worse. You know, now you're being excluded from groups and you can't make friends. So you retreat because maybe, right. you know, if you're, if you're a very sensitive child, then you're, you're, you know, and you don't even know that and your teachers don't know that then you, you retreat, you know, and it becomes an unsafe place. And then the world starts to feel unsafe to you and you don't even know why. So, you know, mm. it, if, it, if it continues to go through, and we know in high school, now we've got all kinds of bullying, not only physical bullying, but now with social media and how, the things yeah. that happen, I mean, it, it takes such an emotional toll. And who's there to really protect us? I mean, yes, the parents can step in and the school can step in, but I bet I was bullied in school. There were parents, my parents and teachers. And to be quite honest, I didn't feel safe with them because when you're alone in the hallways with the girl who's pushing you around, they don't, they're not there. Hmm. So you just don't feel safe. So the world starts to become unsafe. And then, you know, it, it, it can kind of snowball. Yeah, that's a good point. 
And, and again, I tying it back to how we open this conversation too. It's like, I think that those uh, external influences, let's say are more magnified now than they were before, whether it is social media, whether it is this comparison culture, this, uh, all of that, I think adds to it for sure. You know, and then the hardest part too, really is after a while, the person starts to think there must be something wrong with me. Hmm. And then, then they internalize it. And when they get into adulthood, people aren't bullying them, you hope. Most often we're not. But now we just take over for ourselves. Now we have an inner critic. Now we have a perfectionist. Now we have a people-pleasing part. All these right. parts right, come out and, uh, and limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. For me, it was not good enough. I've talked about that. I've, I've Facebooked about it. My limiting belief was, in essence, uh, some, somehow I'm not good enough because if I was good enough, why did all these things happen, you know? And my life played out for a very long period of time, living off of that frame of reference. You know, I put on the not good enough glasses from that part and every and that part was always keeping me down, basically, mm. out of fear that if I take a risk and I actually prove to myself that I am, that I would get hurt. And how's that journey going for you? Are you still walking uh, out of that jungle event, as I call it, like, are you still walking into your ownership of your worth? Or is that something that you've, you've kind of, uh, you know, done and dusted? Well, I mean, uh, yes, and yes to both and no to both. You know, <laughs> I'm always aware that that younger me, who felt not good enough still exists within me. And mm -hmm. oftentimes, the protector that protects that vulnerable part of me will rear its head when it feels threatened. And because of that, I can sense it. And if I can sense it, then I can soothe it. Mm. And I and I do that mindfully in my head. Like, oh, and I'm so I'm Jewish and there's some Yiddish. My 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 bubby used to say tatala. So I say, yeah, tatala, you're okay. It's okay. It's not the same situation. I got this. We're good. Mm. And I've had to practice doing that. And then I, you know, I of course I'm good enough. I'm good enough regardless. I'm, right. And that's okay. That doesn't mean I'm the best. It doesn't mean I'm trying to be the best. It just means that whatever I'm doing, I'm good enough regardless. And we got this and we're okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so Donna, let's, let's fast forward here now uh, to, to that. So, you know, you, you've done a lot of work. You've, you've been on a journey. Uh, you've amassed quite a lot of knowledge and skill and, and, and understanding of the human psyche <laughs> Uh, and and so forth and and now now you're faced with uh, a challenge in your life whereby you have to pull on all your own resources I, I assume to to uh, steer you through each and every day so let's let's hmm. talk about that yeah um, you know life will always give you opportunities to practice your shit <laughs> you know. And, uh... <laughs> So that's kind of what's happened. I mean, when I got the diagnosis, um, you know, I started last year in October, sort of going through the process of having tests done because I had a big mass in my abdomen, which I thought was a fibroid because I'd had fibroids years before and we dealt with it. So in my mind, it was the same thing. And, and you know, I probably should have gone to the doctor a lot sooner. I probably should have had it looked at. I, you know, there's a lot of things that I probably should have done. But in any case, I ended up going and they said, well, the best course of action is, you know, get a full hysterectomy, take out all the bits. And at that point, they'll they'll test and see. They had done a blood test, so they already knew that my markers were up. 
that there was something in my blood pointing to a potential of cancer. So my mindset around that was I, I don't have cancer until somebody says, Donna, you have cancer. Mm. So instead of spiraling, I just went with the facts. And until the facts were changing, I just kept that in mind. So when I had my surgery, the, the doctors basically said, we won't know definitively until they biopsy all the stuff. And then we'll know. So I had the surgery and I woke up and Shelly was there, of course. And that's my first question. So do I have cancer? And she looked at me, you know, you can tell the look. And she said, yes. And then it, my, my words, given that I was still kind of drugged, were, that's unfortunate. So that's what it was. That was unfortunate. So, um, but, you know, to be honest with you, I kind of I had an inkling. I've always had an intuition and I don't know why that cancer would be in my, my fate somehow in my life. And I was, I'm not a pessimist and I didn't wish that upon me and I didn't ask the universe for it. It was just a felt sense somehow. Um, and you know, when you look at doctors and they're looking kind of funny and you kind of get a sense of it in yeah. any case. Yeah. Um, I did break down when they told me I had to do chemo because I knew exactly what that meant. And I'm still like, I'm only halfway through that, that process. And it's, it's hard. Like it's, it's, it's really, really freaking hard. <laughs> you know, um, it's hard to stay positive. It's hard to stay proactive. It's just hard. It's just hard to utilize all the tools. Um, but I do, and I get through it and I'm going to be okay. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I'm doing. You know? Right. Right. And, and so I, I imagine that journey is, is, is every day it's, it's a roller coaster. Right. Um, um, you know, it, it can be, as, as they said, every round gets a little harder because you get a little more tired, a little more mm -hmm. depleted. And for a fitness person, I mean, for anybody that's hard, but for someone who's always been involved in physical fitness, feeling weak is for me is hard. You know, even though I understand why I feel that way, I think those are my lowest moments when I could feel my body changing. It changes my mental state too, big time yeah. because of that. Yeah. Um, but it's three days of terrible. Uh, it's like having, if anyone of you've had COVID out there, it's like COVID times 10 for three days. And then I seem to kind of come out of it. Um, but every time I come out, it just takes a lot more to get, get myself back into it. So. And with that journey, I, I suspect to, you know, take us through some of the mental conversations, um, that you have with yourself, uh, you know, because again, you are someone that helps people overcome some some mental challenges and and negative self talk and and so forth. And yet, now you're having to deal with that with yourself every day. Yeah, I mean, for me, I journal it because I I'm a right. writer, so that's how I capture those days. And when I'm in those moments, I free write and I write whatever comes out of my head, it, and it, I don't edit it. And there's a lot of swear language. There's a lot of hopelessness that comes out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of sadness. There's anger. Um, there's irritation. So I write things like, you know, I'm fucking done with this journey. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do any more treatments. I've had it. You know, I'm good. I, I mean, it's just it's just garbled. But it needs to come out because a part of me is is in despair. You know, is is feeling is feeling it. And I think it's healthy to acknowledge that part. And then to also look at the other side to say, yes, we feel that way, but the treatments are helping us and it's, it's giving us an opportunity to live longer. 
And I will tell you, you know, I, I appreciate my life so much more now because of this diagnosis that I, I, I don't think I would ever take for granted anything moving forward in my life because I don't actually know how long it's going to be. Like I'm not, no one said I'm going to die. So I don't think that, but you know, my life expectancy could be normal after or not. And I don't want to waste any time now. Right. So I deal with those down days by being truthful to myself about what they are, but I also don't wallow. You know, I don't stay there. Mm. I stay for as long as I need. I do think that's really important. I, I am an advocate for, um, you know, sitting in the poo poo a little bit and, and just, uh, you know, acknowledging what's showing up and, and giving that it's due voice in your case, writing that down, uh, you know, in, in my journey and kind of my life event, jungle event, it, it, same thing. It was, it was just letting that voice be heard, whether it was through journaling, whether it was through self-dialogue, um, obviously writing a book was, was part of that was like kind of the end tale of that journey. But, um, you know, uh, I think for me, and I, I've never been in a situation like yours, uh, however, at face value, I do think honoring that, that voice is, is the right way to go, uh, you know, and, and, letting it, letting it, letting it get out, mm -hmm. letting the, the, the swear bombs go and, 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 and the negative, this, let it get out, let it get, you know, it's, it's, it's toxins in your body. It's toxins in your mind. Mm -hmm. And we have to get that out. We have to purge. Right. So. Yeah. And I mean, I have a counselor too. You know, I have, a, I have two, actually, I have one from the cancer clinic and then I have my own uh, because, I mean, I, I also need that perspective of somebody else as well. And I, I mean, mm -hmm. I value counseling, not only because I'm a counselor, but I value it because of it still gives me lots. You know, it's still, you know, I, I mean, I'm just a human as well. So, of course, and going through something so life changing, so profound. Um, you know, and, and Shelly and I had seek counseling for our, our, our relationship because it takes a toll on our relationship too. Yeah. So, you know, and, and then I reached out to community. I made a post when I first started this on Facebook's asking for support from whomever wanted to give it. I called it operation cheer Donna up. And I just <laughs> said, right. I, I was very explicit. I said, yeah. listen, if you can send me a note, don't email it to me. Don't do the thing on Facebook. I wanted something tangible, like a piece of paper. It didn't have to be extreme. That's it. Just whatever. And I, I've been inundated with cards and notes and they still continue to come. And in my down days, I, I open them and I look yeah. at them and I feel the energy from people and it's really helped. And I'm very grateful and I'm, I'm grateful to myself for reaching out and asking for what I needed. And I'm grateful for the people who answered that call. I so. love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's great. And Shelly, let's bring it back to Shelly for a moment. Yeah. I feel like we should get Shelly on the show right now. Boom. She can yeah. Pop. Yeah. She's here. Right. I call her in. But, yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Shelly. Shelly. She's great. Uh, so I want to, I definitely want to switch now. I, I, I want to bring some, some play, some inner childness mm -hmm. into this to coincide with, with this last section of our, of our conversation today, Donna. Uh, one thing that I love about, the two of you from the moment I first met you is this idea of play. I think the, the, the two of you embody play in a relationship, uh, arguably better than anyone that I've, I've seen. Uh, and okay. it's true. So, 
And play is such a powerful childlike quality that we can bring into, as I said, everyone, relationships, bring into a business development, a, a business venture, whatever it is. So tell us, share a little bit about the play of, of you two and, and, and some of those inner childlike qualities. Well, I mean, you know, Shelly is a, at heart a big goof. So that really helps. And I have to say, she's she brings that out in me. Uh, I mean, I have that quality too, but when she starts to get going and we're just free, we don't edit ourselves, it, we just play <laughs> off each other. Like, you know, the Forrest Gump shrimp bit. Anytime somebody says shrimp, we go right into it, you know? You know, <laughs> it, you boil it, you know? <laughs> you don't care who's around. <laughs> we just do it, you know? Um, so that's just, that's just who we are together sometimes, you know, we just, we just bring that out in each other, but she's definitely the uh, foremost goof in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. What, what does, let's, let, let's jump back in time a little bit. Um, you know, what, what's, what was little, uh, little Donna like little D back <laughs> in the day? <laughs> Oh, that's a really good question. Like in terms of child qualities. Um, yeah. Like, you know, what do you, are you aware of any little deed like qualities that you are still bringing forth as a, uh, as an adult in this day and age? Absolutely. Yeah. Now that you, you think about it, you can probably see the tail end of a teddy bear up there somewhere. There you go. So <laughs> as a kid, I love stuffed animals. It's just all over them. So I still do, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I honestly, see the world like a Pixar movie. I love mm. cartoons. If I had the skill, I would have been an animator, anything to do. I just love the lightness of it. And that's never left me, you know? And I, I see a lot of humor in a lot of things in life. And I love to laugh. And I believe that definitely comes from, you know, way back. Because I just, I just think that that's just the way I kind of live my life, I suppose. Yeah. I go to chemo with a teddy bear. And the nurses are like, wow, more people should do that. And I'm not afraid to to do that because it makes me feel good. So, mm. yeah, and it, it soothes that that little girl in me who just finds that joy, you know, with with those things around her. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I have uh, <laughs> same. I'm a Star Trek fanatic, so I I still have my 1974 Captain Kirk doll. Uh, from back in the day and it was it's actually in the book it, it has plays quite a role in the book but back when little jimmy used to go to the hospital all the time for asthma it would always be right there you know clutched in my hand it was that it was that comfort and that courage and that leadership that i needed to um to go into the you know to boldly go up to the pediatric wing and you know spend time in an oxygen tent alone and you know and, and things like that so um and i still have it I still have it, you know, and uh, it's been with me everywhere. So, yeah. So the, the I think those connections are are beautiful, and uh, you know, I think uh, honoring. I, I say this, Donna. You know, I, I I feel like. I feel like everyone, should, well, truthfully, I feel like everyone should write their own life story. Uh, mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they have to be published, <laughs> but mm -hmm. there's so much beauty, specifically though, to write their childhood to sit down and and revisit and reacquaint with a lot of great things in that. For me, it's been very, uh, very cathartic. It's been, it, it's opened my eyes to a lot of what we were talking about earlier, some 
some traumatic smaller events that I can see now, like a forensic, you write one's life, you start to kind of put things together like a CSI episode. You're mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, that, that behavior there. Oh, right. And, and it's pretty, it's a pretty, pretty amazing if you're trying to really, you know, take ownership over your life uh, and understand mm -hmm. how did I end up here? Well, let's go back and revisit it. Um, but in that, in that childlike arena for all of us, I think there's so much wisdom to be had uh, and, and so much that we can bring forth in our adult life that uh, I think can aid us in, in all aspects. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I should also add, if it's okay, to to also acknowledge that there are those people that actually do not remember their childhood because of the traumatic events, and the and they have blocks, they have big big gaps. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think that work, as you suggested, can be very cathartic. It can move us forward. It can be very reflexive. Um, but for some people, it can be more tra traumatizing because they don't have the memory. And it's because of where they've come from. So, you know, um, however, there is a therapeutic approach of rescripting, and um, in terms of, well, what would you have liked for yourself growing up for childhood? And and so there's a whole piece mm. on doing being able to do that. So, but regardless, that you know, if we can find those elements within ourselves of play and not be afraid to use them in our adult life because of, or fear of what others may say about us or view about us, that that's very awesome. But it's, it's boy, that's, that's real authenticity. So I, I would hope people could get there, but that's tough. Yeah. I actually, I just want to acknowledge that that's a, that's a really great point about the rescripting. And I think that's very powerful. Uh, and, and for anyone out there that might be, that might fall into that category, if you will, where, where it's a block and, and, you know, there are still ways to uh, to do some work to to um, maybe get some some insights or get back in touch with with the younger self. So I think that's that's a beautiful distinction. So thank you for throwing that in there. Of course. Yeah. All right. DH, we are getting close here to the end. Uh, I want to. I'm going to ask you a question, if I may. Okay. On the spot. Da, 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 da. Yay, okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, in, in the work that I do in my book specifically, I talk about, there's a, there's a point in everyone's life where they walk through the doorway of adulthood mm. and, and some, for some it's earlier, for some it's later, but it inevitably always happens hundred percent. And when that happens, uh, most times, if not all times, there ends up being a fissure that's created between the child and the person that evolves from the child into the adult and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. If you could go back in time to that moment uh, in your life uh, mm -hmm. and step into little Donna, what, what do you think she would say to you uh, as you embark on your real life journey. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I wish you had asked me that 40 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that Oh my gosh. Hmm. That's a really tough question because, mm. you know, 
sometimes in our lives we don't just have one distinct fissure you know there could be there could be many so when i think about which little donna i want to connect with that's 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 where i'm getting a little bit of the stumbling block because mm. you know i've had to connect with so many of them uh, at different stages in in my life um and i can also feel um a fog coming over me, which is interesting. So, so that can happen with people, right? When you, when somebody asks a question that touches upon a, a piece of our inner childhood, right? With, with trauma in our background, it, it, it can cause that. So, so I'm just sit, calling it out in the real moment here because that's what's that's what I'm experiencing. Mm. Um, and I almost want to answer from my, my adult perspective, which is interesting too, because that was not your question. <laughs> That's well, okay. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> no, I think it's all good. Um, yeah, I think, I think if I were to, to look back and, and want to reassure sort of all of those different parts of me as a child that, you know, the things in life do work out. And as we get older, we, we, we do develop more skills and resources and, and abilities to cope. Um, and, Things that used to hold us back in the past can change in our present, which then aligns with our future. So um, uh, there is a wise woman within and man and or gender non-specific individual as a human having the wisdom to do that. So, yeah, I don't really think that answers your question, but I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> We're going to go with that one. Far be it for me to, to, to argue with a clinical psychologist. <laughs> Okay. I don't so, know. That's a tough one. Ask me the question one more time. Let's see. Just, just for fun. Sure. Sure. All right, Donna. Uh, in our lifetime, we all have a doorway that we walk through at one point in our life where the little Donna says goodbye to the adult Donna uh, on her journey. And uh, if you could go back to that moment or that time period in your life, um, now, as an adult, going back, what would you whisper into the ear of your younger self to give you, to, uh, to have her impart in you some words of encouragement or something to think about as you step into adult life? Okay. So just so I understand, if I'm whispering into my little self's ear, would it be some advice to, or some, some part of support? Is that what you're mm -hmm. suggesting? Like, like, for example, uh, old Donna goes, Hey, Hey, little D tell, ah. tell, tell myself not to sweat the small stuff. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. And then she's like, you know, as you go off into adulthood, one thing I'd like you to do is just don't trip on the small shit. It's not, it's menial. It doesn't mean anything. You yeah. Know, whatever. I don't know. Right. Okay. <laughs> now I understand. All right. So this is definitely what I would say. I would say to my younger D self, you are good enough regardless. You are lovable regardless. You are likable regardless. And you are absolutely perfect the way you are. That's what I would say. Well, that's the mic drop right there. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And now, and, and honestly, from my perspective, that makes sense given what you shared earlier about your, your you know, one distinct limiting belief. Yeah. So beautiful. Like that's... That was a beautiful bookend moment. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And I'll say to your viewers, I believe that about all of them as well. Because mm. when we're born, there's no way that those things are any different. 
the baby has should have all that mm. is deserved of all that it's true. is entitled to it all it's true yeah yep 100 <laughs> percent. donna you are you are an inspiration you are an edu educator uh you are a child at heart and uh, you are also a champion champion for mental health a champion for other women out there that are uh, going through something similar like you right now and you know your strength and your uh, impact on others is because you're vulnerable and because you're transparent about the bad days the good days the swearing <laughs> the, all of that and uh, so I just want to acknowledge you and, and thank you for uh, thank you for just jumping on today and, and having a conversation about all this. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you for your very kind words. And I take them into my heart. And that, that's lovely. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Thank you. And speaking of hearts, anybody wants to find out Donna, meet Donna, get in contact with her, smilingheartscounseling.com mm -hmm. is the way to go. Obviously, this will also be on Facebook. You We'll make sure that people have your contact information in the show notes, whether they find this on LinkedIn, IG, YouTube, Facebook, wherever. Uh, of course, this will also be streamed on all the podcast platforms. So uh, everyone will have this. And I hope, Donna, that uh, you continue to uh, to burn bright. Thank you. Thank you. And thank most you. definitely will. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And to all the viewers out there, thank you so much for tuning in again. Uh, or, or the listeners out there as well in podcast land. Thank you for tuning in. This is this is my little my little Jimmy give back to uh, to all of you to share some some candid open conversations with some amazing people and bringing back just some some curiosity, some wonder, some limitless mindset, some the, the sweet air of possibility that that what if that we woke up to every morning as a as a child and, and bringing that into our adult uh, sandbox. So uh, this is all based on my book, All In With Love, My Journey to the Hero Within, which is out now. It's available all over the world, 50,000 booksellers. Uh, it is my memoir, my life story, uh, getting back to my younger self, back to that little Jimmy that I spoke of. So uh, I encourage you all to, to check it out and uh, stay tuned for some more great conversation with some amazing people. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Bye for now.